Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Good morning, church. Happy Labor Weekend. It's beautiful to be in Christchurch at this time of year, isn't it? The weather the way it is, it's awesome. Well, we're going to dig into the Word this morning. We're starting a new series today on gratitude and thanksgiving. So I get the privilege of kicking it off, which is excellent. I want to start like this, though. You know you're getting old when... You go into the toilets at a mall, and you wash, do your thing, and wash your hands, and you put your hands inside one of those Dyson Airblade things, and as you're doing it, your skin ripples <laughs> in waves. The first time it happened to me, I got such a shock. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Oh, I'm getting older. You know you're getting old when... You have to fill out a form online and you get cramp in your finger from scrolling down to get to your birth year. I am. You know you're getting old when you have a 21-year-old. <laughs> you know you're old when you get, uh, you answer an 11 p.m. text at 6 a.m. Simeon texted me the other night at 10.23. Didn't hear a thing, out to it, answered him at 6.05. You know you're getting older when kids' church was called Sunday school for you. Hands up if you went to Sunday school. Oh, hello. There's lots of you. Do you know, Sunday school, I remember back at Sunday school, one of the things I used to love to do was we had these little booklets, and in these little booklets were verses out of the Bible, and we would have to memorize a verse every week, and we would come back to Sunday school, and we would recite our verse to our Sunday school teacher, and we would give her this little booklet, and if we got it all right, including where it came from, we'd get a sticker. It was the highlight of my week. You know what? Scripture memorization is, we think, oh, we sort of, oh, we all start rolling our eyes and, oh, Scripture. But actually, there is real power in knowing the Word of God beyond John 3.16. All right? There is real power in hiding God's Word in our hearts, like Psalm 119 says. Ephesians 6 has this list of weapons that we are to put on, the armor of God. Truth buckled round your waist, the breast plate of righteousness, your feet fitted with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, the helmet of salvation, and the only offensive weapon on this whole list the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Knowing our Scripture is a weapon. Now, this is Big Bertha. Say, hi, Big Bertha. This is my big Bible. I 
cannot carry, realistically and practically, my big Bertha Bible around with me everywhere I go. Which means that I have to take what's in here and I have to get it into me, into my heart, so that when I'm walking around and something hits my life and I go to get a weapon, I'm not like, I've got nothing. But I've actually got things that are in me that I can speak out as truth. In e-group, our e-group a few weeks ago, we looked at the temptation of Jesus when he was tempted just before he starts his ministry. Each time the devil came and tempted him, what did he say? But the word of God says, boom, and then three times. And then the devil said, ah, no point trying. I'll just give up on that one. We have got to get it in us. Excuse me. There are some verses that I have in me that are really significant to me from really important times in my life. And I can say them and quote them. And it's just so critical that we we are weaponized. And we have it in us. You know, around here at Equippers, we talk about equipping people for life through faith in Jesus Christ. Today, I want to equip you. I want to equip you with 15 words, 15 words that you can hide in your heart, 15 words that can be your offensive weapon, 15 words that will change your perspective, 15 words that can shift the atmosphere around you, 15 words that can take your focus and get it in the right place, 15 words that have the power to cut through the enemy. Paul wrote these 15 words to the church at Thessalonica. It's a church he founded. He really cared about this church like a parent cares for a child. It was a young church, and he was really invested in their success. And so he writes to them. And some people think this was his very first letter that he ever wrote, the first one. It's not first in the Bible, but it's the first one that he actually wrote time-wise. In the fifth chapter of this, he gives his final instructions to the church. He talks about appreciating their leaders. He talks about living in peace with each other. He talks about not retaliating when someone does something to you. He talks about rejoicing always. He talks about praying continually. And then there are these 15 words. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus. I mean, that's pretty clear, right? Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, I could really just go and sit down now. You got it? Give thanks in all circumstances. I could just sit here and that's the sermon done. See you later. Unless. Unless. We're not doing it like we could. We're not doing it as much as we could. Or we're forgetting to even do it at all. So, when I get the chance to get up here, I ain't going to sit down after five minutes, sorry. So you ready for this? Right, mate, let's break it down. First two words we're going to learn today. You're going to go home today with this in you. I promise. You're going to walk out of here with a weapon. This is going to be the most interactive sermon you've ever heard because you're not going to be sitting all the time. Promise. Fifteen words. Here we go. First two words. Give thanks. Turn to your neighbor and say, give thanks. 
There you go. Two words, done. That's good. Two words, give thanks. You know, when children are small, we teach them to say please and thank you, don't we? Babies don't say thank you for changing their nappies. They don't say thank you for wiping up their vomit. They don't say th- until we teach them how. What's one of the first words we teach them? Say ta. Say thank you. Say thanks. Say thanks. Say thank you. On Friday at school, I was giving out notices to my class. And uh, they're 11 and 12. They should know to say thank you when someone gives them something, right? So when I give them a notice, if they don't say thank you, I just hold on to it. And I just stare at them, even this stare. I just stare at them. I don't say a thing. I just stare at them. And then they go, oh, thank you. I said, manners are always good. Why do we teach our children manners? Because we don't want them to go through life grabbing and taking and not stopping to see what others are actually doing for them. It's true, isn't it? Good manners. Stopping and saying thank you teaches you not to be selfish or self-absorbed, that that you don't even notice when someone else might be doing something for you or giving up something for you. It kills pride when you say thank you. It keeps you humble. It's not all about you. Sorry, that's a bit of a truth there. If you think it's all about you, it's not. All right? It's not. What's the opposite of giving? Uh -uh. withholding. I'm going to use that word this morning, withholding. Have you ever worked for a boss or a colleague who never said thank you to you for what you did? Who withheld their thanks? I don't know. There's just something really distasteful about an ungrateful person who just walks through life actually not giving a rip about anyone else. It's all about me. I don't care what you did for me. I don't care that you opened the door for me. I don't care that you made me a meal when I was sick. I'm not going to say thank you. Have you ever gone out of your way for someone else and done something and they didn't thank you? Yeah. There's a story in Luke 17 about Jesus healing 10 men with leprosy. He's on his way to Jerusalem and he gets to this village And he sees these 10 lepers on the outside of the village and they're calling out to him. They're going, Jesus, have pity on us. And Jesus comes to them and he he doesn't heal them on the spot, but he he tells them to go and present themselves to the priest. And the Bible says that the words are this, as they go, as they go, they're healed. Right? So they're walking away from Jesus. As they go, they're healed. Now, as they're walking away, one of them turns around and comes back towards Jesus. The other nine kept walking. One of them came back because he, along the way, he realized, oh my God, I'm, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And he turns and he goes back to Jesus. And when he gets back to Jesus, such a beautiful picture in the word, he falls at his feet and he's praising him and he thanks him. He 
He didn't withhold. He gave. And Jesus is like to him, didn't I heal 10 of you? How come there's only one back here? And he commends them for his faith. He said, your faith has healed you. I think it's a prophetic picture for us this morning. Jesus does things for us all the time. And we, 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 like, we like, oh, that's, that's good. And we start to walk in it and we start to walk away. And we're like, wow, that's amazing. And we just keep walking. And quite often we forget who actually did it for us. We forget to go back to Jesus, to the source of all that, and say, thank you. Thank you. It was the leper's proximity to Jesus that caused him to fall at his feet and give thanks. The other people were away from him. When we stay close to Jesus, we'll find many, many, many reasons to say thanks. It's good to stop and reflect and recognize what's happened. It's good to go back and say thanks because we, when we give thanks, it's an act of humility. It's saying it's not all about me. And humility is the soil where thanksgiving can flourish. It releases faith. It fortifies our trust in God. And joy follows gratitude. How many times has Jesus done something remarkable for us and we've just kept walking? It's a real challenge. You know, God gave you lips and he gave you a memory so that you could give him thanks. Give thanks to God. Give thanks to the people around you. When was the last time you thanked the people around you? People who live in your house. I had a friend um, who, um, one Christmas, she was a solo mum, and she didn't have a lot of money. She worked really hard to look after her two daughters, but she didn't have a lot of money. And so... She worked really hard, saved all the money she could, and she bought a trampoline for her oldest daughter. Now, obviously, wrapping a trampoline has its problems. So what she thought she'd do is she'd get one of the springs out of the tramp, and she'd wrap that up for her daughter, put that under the tree, and give it to her, and then, you know, take her outside and show her the actual tramp made up outside. Well, they got to Christmas morning, and, and my friend's daughter, she opens this present, and it's a spring. But do you know what she said, the daughter? She said, thanks, mum. That's just what I've always wanted. You know what? She wasn't even looking at the gift. She was thinking about the giver. She knew that her mum had sacrificed a lot for whatever it was she held in her hand. And so she said, thanks. My friend could have given her a rock. And she would have said, thanks, mum. That's just what I've always wanted. She went outside and saw the tramp. It all ended well. A.W. Tozer says this. Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. And it is one that the poorest of us can make. And be not poorer, but richer for having made it. So tell your neighbour, give thanks. Tell your other neighbour, give thanks. Come on, bit of oomph. Thank you. You know, the other day I was driving to work and I had a song on in the car. And um, 
as I was listening to this song, which talks about giving thanks, I began, I began to really realize, and it, it overwhelmed me. I actually started to tear up driving. I nearly had to pull over. I began to realize everything that God and Jesus have done for me. And I was driving along and singing and crying and probably like a hot mess when I got to school, but that's all right. You know, when was the last time you were really overwhelmed by what God has done for you to the point where you can't hold it in anymore? When was the last time that happened? I told you this morning this was going to be interactive. How about... How about today we open our mouths? How about you think of something that Jesus has done for you? You open your mouth and today we give thanks. We don't withhold it. You need to come back to where Jesus is, to the proximity of Him, and we give thanks. Let's stand. We're going to do it this morning. Let's go. Here we go. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Oh, my soul cries, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Oh, my soul cries, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Just watch out. I can feel another bout of Thanksgiving coming on soon. Just wait. Give thanks. Say it to your neighbor. Give thanks. Two words. Next three words. In all circumstances. Now hang on. In all circumstances. Does that make you go, like when the hyenas say, Mufasa. In all circumstances, like fingernails down a chalkboard. <laughs> Just thinking about it. Thank goodness we use whiteboard markers these days. All circumstances. I looked up all in the Greek because I, I thought maybe there's an out clause. Maybe all doesn't mean all. Maybe it means when it suits. Maybe all might mean like it has a little, you know, when I feel like it. Uh, when I remember to. But I looked up the Greek word for all. The word is pass, P-A-S, and it means everything. It means entire. It means totality. So it means all. Dang it, I'm not sure. I like the idea of giving thanks in all circumstances. I reckon I can give thanks for the good stuff. That's easy. Yeah. Um. But some of my circumstances suck. And I don't like my situation sometimes. And I'm not a big fan of what I'm going through. And I don't want to give thanks for this. 
And that's where we make the mistake. Don't switch out the in for the word for. Give thanks. It's not give thanks for all circumstances. It's give thanks in all circumstances. And there is a difference. You don't need to give thanks for that bad day or for that bad relationship or for being passed over at work or for financial hardship or for whatever it is. You're not to give thanks for the difficulties, but rather give thanks in the difficulties. We often miss that distinction because giving thanks in everything shows a heart of faith that God is bigger than the difficulties and that he can use them. And if you approach him with the right heart and the right spirit, he will use them. I love this phrase. I say it to many people. He will use them for your good and his glory. One of the foundations of my life, one of the phrases and the things that I use all the own is this, my life is not my own. A couple of years ago, I applied for a promotion at school for a team leader position. There were two of us going for it. The other teacher got it. I think it was the right choice. I've worked with her for two years. She's brilliant. I've learned a lot off her. But at the time when I didn't get the job, um, my other colleague came to me and says, oh, you must be so disappointed. I said, no, my life is not my own. If that opportunity comes, excellent. If it doesn't, I know God's got it. My life is not my own. I could give thanks in good times. I can give thanks in challenging times. I can give thanks in happy times. I can give thanks in painful times. I can thank him for what he gives me. Oh, here's a good one. I can thank him for what he removes from me. Some of my deepest learning has, been, has come from when the removal truck has backed up to my life and said, that's got to go. Now, there's a guy in the Old Testament called Jonah. God, he's a prophet. He was God's mouthpiece. And God said to him, I want you to go to Nineveh, preach to those people. He said, God said, go. Jonah said, no. I don't want to preach to those people. They're not my people. I don't want to preach to them. And so he ran. And he ran in the opposite direction as far as you could go in the ancient world, to Tarshish. And then he got on a boat and he thought, I'll go even further. It would be like God saying, I want you to go and preach in Invercargill. And you said, no thanks. And you get on a plane and you go to Auckland and you get on another plane. You just keep flying. How dumb of Jonah to think that he could get away from God. You can't escape God. You can't run away from God. But he runs away. This big storm blows up when he's on the ship and um, he's asleep. And everyone on the ship's freaking out. They're throwing things overboard, trying to lighten the ship. And, and they go to Jonah and they go, right, we're going to play this dice game, this game of chance. We're going to find out who is responsible for this. They always connected weather with someone doing something wrong back in those days, right? They throw this dice and they figure out it's because of you, Jonah. Jonah admits them. He says, yeah, God told me to do something. I'm running away. And so they throw him overboard. And they well, if you're the problem, you're out. Over he goes. You all know the story. Sunday school story. You get, he gets swallowed up by a big fish in the belly of this fish for three days. You get to Jonah chapter two, and he starts after three days. The beginning of chapter two says this. 
Then Jonah prayed. It's like it took him three days to figure it out. Then Jonah prayed. And he prays this prayer. He says, man, God, I'm, I'm in so much trouble here. I know this fish saved me. I was going down. I was sinking. But I'm at death's door right now. I've been in here three days. And I'm remembering you. And then there's this last line of his prayer. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. He says this, but I, with shouts of grateful thanks, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. In other words, what he's saying is, I thank you, God, that salvation comes from you. And so what you ask me to do, I'm going to do it. The very last verse, right after he prays that last bit of thanks at the end of that prayer, says this, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. The moment he gave thanks, breakthrough came. You're out. Go and do what I told you to do. Okay. Don't want to go back there again. All right, breakthrough comes when we, when we give thanks in things. In our circumstances. In them. We've all been in those belly of the whale places, right? And it's counterintuitive to give thanks when you're there. But if you can remember this, give thanks in all circumstances, and if you give thanks, breakthrough will come. God will hear you. Mature disciples know how to give thanks in all circumstances. And the enemy is so confused by this. He just goes, you're thankful in that? Yep. You're thankful when that's happening? Because we know that if God is in it, then we can thank him for whatever it is, whether we understand it or like it or whatever. Give thanks in all circumstances, when you see it clearly, when you can't see it yet. Say it to the person beside you, five words you're getting down now, give thanks in all circumstances, go. Okay. I feel another burst of thanksgiving coming on. I think you might have to stand. Quick, let's go. Get up on your feet, yeah. Come put your hands together. How can I forget what you've done for me? You were faithful. like we're building thanks on thanks on thanks. By the time we get to the end of this thing, man, I think we're just going to explode. Not literally, but we're going to explode in thanksgiving. I can feel it. So, 
Give thanks in all circumstances. Last 10 words. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. God's will. Hard thing to understand. Basically what it means is his perfect plan. His perfect plan for you. This is the way God wants you to belong. This is the way God wants you to live, those of you who belong to Christ Jesus. And this is, like, give thanks in all circumstances is not just good advice. I'm not here just to, like, tickle your ears today. It's the way God wants you to live. Christianity, I think, for some of us, can be like an old iron bed. Firm at both ends, but sagging in the middle. We know that Jesus saved us. Firm. We know that when we die, we're going to heaven. Firm. But in the middle, sagging. Hard. Challenging. And I think what God wants to say to us today is that even when it feels hard, there is a truth in three little words in here that will help us. My lovely assistants to bring out. You know me, I can't do a sermon without something or other on stage. So here we go. I'll just bring it right up the front, peeps. Oh, you put a tablecloth on it. How beautiful. Yep, right there is great. Thank you. I want to show you something this morning. Um, it's not original to me. I saw someone else do it, but a good illustration is a good illustration. So you can um, flog them in God's name and use them where you need to. I want to show you something. Um, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In those three little words at the end, in Christ Jesus, is what we call positional truth. Positional truth. <coughs> and I want to show you what that looks like with these boxes. This box is you. The essence of you. Everything that God made you, your personality, your character, everything that you are. Right? When we ask Jesus into our lives, this is what happens. Here's Jesus. And we say, Jesus, come into my life. Come and live in me. Come and live through me. And we then become Jesus' hands. We become Jesus' feet. We become Jesus' voice. We become Jesus' arms. We become everything he is to the world around us. So he's in us. But here's the next truth. Not only is Jesus in us, but we are in Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 6 that we share in the death and life of Jesus. When he died to, to, and was paid for our sins, we died. When he rose again, we got that life too. Everything that he has, we have. Everything that he is, we are. We are, he is in us, and we are in him. 
And then the final thing, wrapping all of that up, is the big box. Is everything, all of this, is all wrapped up inside God and sealed by the Holy Spirit. This is positional truth. I want you to look at where you are. Look at where you are. Take a moment. Look at where you are. Look at your position. You're secure. You're surrounded. You're in Jesus. He is in you. And God surrounds everything. Because I know my position in Christ, I can give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Because I know that even when life shakes me, my position stays the same. My position doesn't change. Jesus doesn't chuck me out. When, even when I do wrong stuff, he doesn't pull me out. or pull me, um, pull, I don't pull him out of me. He doesn't pull me out of him. I stay where I am. At least I choose to walk away. And you can open up your mouth and you can give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus because you know where you are. Or maybe you don't. Because here's what it's like, maybe for some of you here today. Oh, sorry, Jesus. Sorry, Jesus. I just threw Jesus. That was bad. Maybe this is what it's like. You're actually living your life uh, quite separate from God. And quite away from God. And you think, oh, God is so far away. How? How am I ever going to get to Him? How am I ever going to feel that security? Know what my position is? How am I ever going to get there? Do you know what all it takes? Is just one decision to move. To move yourself to where God is. Because He's here today. And to ask Jesus... to come in and to live in you. And the moment you do that, the rest just all falls into place. The moment you do that, you are secure, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised you who have Him have the life. If you don't have Him, you don't have the life. It's pretty narrow, I know. But it's because there needs to be a decision if it's not narrow, we just sit in indecision. Oh, I could do that, or I could do that, or I could do that. It's narrow because you've got to choose. And what you do with Jesus Christ has everything to do with your eternity, has everything to do with how you live your life. Can everyone just close their eyes for a moment? Wouldn't you like to know Jesus Christ in such a way 
that never again you'll have to wonder about it. Today could be your day. Today could be the turning point for you. I'm inviting you to come to Him, to make the move, to position yourself. Come to the cross. Trust in His death on your behalf. Accept the gift God offers you of relationship and security and eternity. You were never meant to be in isolation. That is not God's heart. He desires relationship with you. He wants you with Him. So if that's you this morning, if you know you've never accepted Jesus into your life, but you know that that's something you want to do today, every eye is closed. I just ask you to do something really brave and you just raise your hand in the air so I can see it and then put it down again. Is there anyone here that wants to make that choice? Thank you. Thanks, sister. That's awesome. Best decision you'll ever make. Is there anyone else? to miss out this morning. Don't stay isolated. Come. Choose. Give. Is there anyone else? Okay, I've seen one hand. We're going to pray together this morning. And then we're going to rejoice a little bit for the one that's come. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you this morning. For who, you are. for who you are. We thank you for your son, we thank you for your son. who came and died on the cross, came and died on the cross. For, me. for me. And I thank you, God, that you love me. I thank you, God, that you paid the price. Today I choose to ask you into my life. My life will never be the same. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rejoice. It's awesome. Okay. So let's put it all together. Can you do it without looking at the screen? Try and say it to the person next to you. The whole 15 words. Go. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. One last thing. That's great. But how do I do that? I want to suggest to you this morning, there's a two-word prefix that you can add to that verse in the Bible. I will. I will. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Words of intention, I will. Words of decision, I will give thanks. And you can do this in any order you like. You can, in all circumstances, give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus, right? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You can give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus because it's the will of God in Christ Jesus you can give thanks in all circumstances you can do it in any order you like but do it, I will
Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.